You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. friends. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Dr. Lowe Show. I am Dr. Lauren Noel, aka Dr. Lowe, your host. And we're going to see how this goes because I have Zion in the background who is almost two and he loves making lots of noise. So, And now he's playing with a shark. I would say shark tank, baby shark. Oh my goodness. Do you love or hate baby shark? I kind of love it, but it sure gets in your head, doesn't it? It is a fun and busy week for me, so it is a Tuesday on the day I'm recording this. I am seeing patients on Mondays and Wednesdays now in the office. I work from home on Tuesdays, and then I have the rest of the week off. If you follow me over on Instagram, all the videos I post of Zion, he's so funny right now. He just, I swear he's the funniest human I've ever met. Follow me over on Instagram if you want to see what I'm doing behind the scenes. Dr. Lowe, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore L-O. All right, before I jump into the show, I'm going to tell you something I'm really excited about over at paleovalley.com as our show sponsor. They just released something that is super cool. It is their what's called Full Spectrum Defense Bundle. So it's three different products that you can get all in one. And when you get the bundle, it's a really awesome discount. It's 15% off. And then with my code, you get an extra 15%. So we're looking at 30% off of these products, which is really awesome for supplements. So the three different products, one of them is the Organic Super Greens, which you guys know I love. And it's my favorite greens. I've used many over the years. And this is one even Zion likes. And the second is their Essential C Complex. So in, later in the show, we talk about just estrogen dominance and what this looks like and how it can really wreak havoc on a woman's system. It can make mood an issue. It can make your period really difficult. And what people don't know is that optimal vitamin C actually helps to optimize progesterone, which is the balancer of the estrogen, right? You need them to be in balance with each other. So usually when I see patients with estrogen dominance, I put them on a really good quality vitamin C and the quality is important because a lot of vitamin C's on the market are not good. They're not absorbed. You just pee them out. And so the essential C complex that Paleo Valley has, I, it's my favorite actual supplement of a complex of vitamin C. So you're getting the food form of it from three different berries. They're superfoods. So it's really awesome and they're absorbed very well. And then the third product in it is called Neuro Effect. And this is one of their newer supplements. And what this does is it really helps with focus and concentration. It helps to provide clean energy. It supports your immune system. It has awesome ingredients. It has whole mushrooms in it. And so you're getting all of those medicinal effects of these mushrooms. So if you want to get your bundle, you can head over to paleovalley.com. I don't know how long they're going to be doing this bundle, so I would definitely hop on it. And to get that extra 15% off of the already 15% off, you want to enter Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O at checkout, and you will get hooked up. All right. With all that said, let's jump into the show and talk all about hormones and estrogen dominance.
Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have a topic that I know so many of you will identify with as I definitely can relate to this topic. And we are talking about overcoming estrogen dominance. We have a wonderful repeat guest on the show, Magdalena. She is the founder of the popular Hormone Balance Community and the Wilena line of all natural supplements and skincare products. She knows firsthand what it means to overcome estrogen dominance. She literally wrote the book on it, Cooking for Hormone Balance, published by HarperCollins. And now she's back with her much anticipated second book, Overcoming Estrogen Dominance, which is set to release on March 10th of 2021. Yay! In addition to being a celebrated author, she's an entrepreneur, she's a holistic nutrition coach, a chef, a certified herbalist and speaker, and she serves tens of thousands of women who struggle with issues related to hormone balance. And developing herself hyperthyroidism and then Hashimoto's, adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance, it propelled her to lead a high pressure advertising career and develop a new way of eating and living that would repair and keep her hormones working properly. And now she's symptom free. And so she shares her practical proven knowledge so that other women can benefit from it. And we will hear all about her upcoming book. And welcome back to the show. Oh, it's always so good to see you and to hear you. Oh, thank you. I know you, you said you just moved to Boulder, Colorado, and that's really close to my folks. So hopefully we get to hang out one of these days. I know travel is a little tricky right now, but yeah, it's good to reconnect. And congrats on this new exciting endeavor, releasing a new book. Thank yeah. You. So let's dive in a little bit more about your experience dealing with estrogen dominance and just a little bit more about your healing story. And then we'll get more kind of specific into what is estrogen dominance where people are like, what is this? I don't know what this is. We can sure. get more into the, yeah, the meat of the show. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of people with estrogen dominance, it starts off really innocently and early. And so for me, definitely it was when I was a teenager, when you start having your periods, a lot of girls just have periods coming and going where you are on the floor for the first two days of your period and you can't go to school. And if I wasn't a really good student, my parents probably would have thought I was doing it on purpose just to avoid school, but they knew that I actually really liked school, you know, and, and I just couldn't do it. And so you know, in later developing um, Hashimoto's disease and Graves disease, which are autoimmune diseases and estrogen dominance plays a huge role in thyroid health as well. So we can talk about that later. And there was just one theme that was very present throughout all my health history. And that's always a lot of GI problems, gastrointestinal problems, a lot of food sensitivities. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I would have a latte or pasta and I would look at myself from a profile in a mirror and I look like I was three or four months pregnant with a huge belly and normally yeah. I would have a real flat belly because I was a big athlete and it's it's is there something that just lingered on for a long time I think the 2008 was a real pivotal moment for me just realizing that with Hashimoto's and not really knowing what the heck to do with this and just feeling like my whole body was shutting down pulled the plug on a very on a big career that I had working in advertising and at that point, I was living in Shanghai in China and coming to the United States, going to school, to nutrition school, and then completely resigning from advertising, walking away from that industry and setting up my own practice and really figuring out through the years of really, what do you do to help yourself? Because, you know, one of the things that's kind of funny, and I'm, and I'm sure you get that too, is people email and say, oh, there's so many resources about my thyroid or estrogen dominance or this or fibroids, and I don't know where to get started. 
And I'm like, yeah, be grateful. There's so many resources. Because when I was diagnosed in 2008, there was just one book about hypothyroidism. Mm. And they didn't mention anything about diet changes or any of the things we know today. Yes, it's been quite a journey. But I will say that today, as we were recording this, I'm 48. I just turned 48. And I feel way better than when I was 28 with a lot more energy. I am certainly headed for perimenopause. And you can tell that from my periods. And that's perfectly normal. That's how it's you know supposed to be. Uh, but in terms of brain fog, energy, quality of sleep, just overall well-being, mood swings or the lack of is just so delightful just to feel that good when you're 48, <laughs> figured it out. And estrogen dominance certainly was, was one of my biggest issues, if you will. Just lovely to help other women, especially when it comes to estrogen dominance. I'm sure you see that too, is that it's not something that's widely talked about. There isn't like if you go to Amazon, enter estrogen dominance, there's only one little tiny book that comes out apart from mine and, and nothing else. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a very underserved uh, community and it's just, it's just really become a passion to share what has worked for me and thousands of other women we've guided through our community and what can help other women. Yeah, I could see that you're very likely leading the way with this as being a topic with book writing, for sure. It's, it, I think it's a common topic talked about on blog posts, but not necessarily a whole book going into detail about it. So it's absolutely needed. So let's start with some basics for those the listeners who aren't really familiar with this term. What do you mean when you say estrogen dominance? Yeah, so that's a really important question, right? Because in the symptoms I'm going to mention, you're probably going to look at them and go, oh, hold on. Is there somebody, is there any woman that I know who doesn't have it? And it starts off with women who are still menstruating, having horrendous PMS or PMDD can be very much estrogen dominance driven. But let's look at you know other things like uh, fibroids, right? Endometriosis, uterine polyps, right? In women, something that a lot of women lose their uteruses because of this diagnosis and never really addressing the root cause of them. Lumpy breasts, uh, fibrocystic breasts, right? How many women here have found a lump in their breast and it's like one of the scariest moments of your of your year, of your life, maybe? You know, most women remember when you find that because it is just so scary, and then the whole process that follows, so how do you get a diagnosed, where do you go, and then you're waiting, you're done waiting for the diagnosis. It's, it's just so, it was just, for me, at least it was one of the, the more scary symptoms that I had a few times, and I'll never, you know, ever want to have that again. Interestingly, hormones also dictate how you store fat, a way you store fat in your body, and so women who tend to be estrogenic tend to store fat around their hips and thighs, and it's fat as well as cellulite. And so you have a woman who's like hitting out the gym five times a week, working out really hard and can't lose like loss of weight in a lot of other places or her girlfriend lost a lot of weight and she just can't move that weight from her hips and her thighs. Um, that's because estrogen dominance isn't addressed. And so that's one really super common one. Any kind of period irregularity. So here we're talking about like women who have heavy periods, for example, for 20 days straight out of a month, oftentimes connected with fibroids, but not always can be, that can be uh, very often that is due to um, estrogen dominance. Women who have a lot of miscarriages, uh, especially in the first trimester, that's often due to estrogen dominance and specifically low progesterone levels, which we can talk about the different types of estrogen dominance, if you like. Older women, so going through the perimenopausal, menopausal phase, hot flashes can be the result of that. But also sleep, interestingly, again, because of low progesterone in which can be one of the forms of estrogen dominance, low progesterone can be causing suddenly a lot of difficulty with falling asleep or staying asleep. And so 
you see women who are like always have been really good sleepers so suddenly she hits 45 and sleep is just not the same and that can be oftentimes due to that due to estrogen dominance those are some of the most basic ones and as you can see from this list like you probably think is there anybody i know who doesn't have those mm. some degree just my neighbor was talking about it the other day it's funny she didn't, doesn't really know what i do not in a great amount of detail and she said my breast was tender i couldn't put on my bra my bra mm. that's how tender her breasts were one part of her cycle and then I'm like oh I think I have a book about that okay about that (laughs) well I think it's a good point you bring up but but there's such a difference between what's normal and what's common yes and so many women are abnormal with their hormone balance because of so many different reasons and the western lifestyle and just the stressors that are put on us in the western world really do not promote healthy hormones at all Absolutely. And I'm so glad you, you say that because I could turn around and also say, I've always had a terrible PMS. Can you normalize mm-hmm. that just because you always had it or it's so common or because all your girlfriends have it or having a lump on the breast, you can go see your doctor. Oh, I forgot another one. Thyroid nodules, very common also in the thyroid community. And doc tells you, you just come back and it's just so common, right? And that doesn't make it normal. And, yeah. and so you can do so many things to to address it. The other thing I also want to mention about just the treatment versions is that by you, for example, if a woman has a fibroid, I'm sure if it's a huge fibroid that is absolutely debilitating and potentially there is, there is signs of cancer, sure, you might want to consider a full hysterectomy. But the thing is that removing the uterus does not remove the root cause, which is estrogen dominance. So women have their uteruses removed and then two years later, they're finding that they're having problems with breast cancer or uterine cancer. So estrogen dominance also manifests in form of cancer. So estrogenic cancer is the most common one is breast cancer. So estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, thyroid cancer, as well as lung cancer and non-smokers are all estrogenic cancers. So you're like, yeah, you remove the uterus, but then two years later, you're having problems with now with the breast. That is one of the things that just drives me absolutely crazy when you see this level of care amongst in the allopathic medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And just making sure to see the body as a whole, not just, okay, this is a uterus issue, right? It's like, it's bodies, it's body-wide. The, the brain, the adrenals, the ovaries, the liver, it's all connected and the uterus. Let's talk about how the liver has an impact on all of this. Yeah, so it's such a timely question. So one of the biggest surprises uh, for me was when my own journey was when I was diagnosed with estrogen dominance and I was really lucky to have a diagnosis really uh, soon, very quickly, early in my development. And, and I remember looking just searching really, really deep online. And remember, there were very few resources back then. And reading about the importance of the liver in helping us metabolize estrogen. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I I would have never thought that the liver plays a role in how my hormones function. So here's the thing. I think just to understand estrogen dominance, let me just take a quick step back and just do like a one minute synopsis of it. Mm -hmm. So there's two times, there's, there's a few different manifestations of estrogen dominance, but there's two main ones. I alluded to the first one, when you've got too much of, of one of those estrogens as compared to progesterone. So as your estradiol compared to progesterone ratio is a little bit off. And, and basically, most of the time is you basically having too little progesterone, but you've got too much of estrogen. So that's the first thing that can happen. They can result in the symptoms that I talked about. The second one, which is this is where the liver comes in, is when you have your estrogens and the way they're broken down is not very favorable to your health. So I'm going to give you like a very visual analogy of this. Imagine you're standing by a river and there's this bed of river flowing. And in the middle of that river bed, there is a little island, a bank. And 
because of that bank, the river kind of flows through the bank and that bank separates the river to a clean stream and a dirty stream. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the liver does. What the liver does is takes your estrogens and basically metabolizes them. So in other words, separates them to what I call dirty estrogens that are the problematic ones. Those are the metabolites that are antagonistic and the clean ones that are actually favorable because first of all let's let's not also let's not demonize estrogen here right as women we need good levels of estrogen to function properly you need it for your to have your full cycle to have a nice moist vagina to have a sex drive to have healthy skin to have cardiovascular health that's one of the top reasons women have cardiovascular problems because of dropping estrogen so Estrogen is not a bad thing. It's just how it gets broken down. In, in this example, it really is important. And guess what? Your liver, there's several pathways in the liver. And out of those, let's say, five, six pathways, three of them are heavily involved in metabolizing estrogen, your methylation pathway, sulfation pathway, and glucuronation pathway. So, you know, so this is where the cool thing is that there's a lot of things you can do with nutrition as well as supplements and herbs in order to support those detoxification pathways so that you reduce your symptoms right away. That's awesome. So let's break it down into maybe like stages of life. So we'll start with maybe a young woman who is just starting out her period and then we'll go into childbearing years and then later on like around menopausal or perimenopause. So starting with a young woman just starting her period, you mentioned some of those different symptoms, right? Just really Mm -hmm. bad PMS. You don't even want to go to class. You want to stay home. What could be going on with that? And what could be ways to help support that young woman? Yeah. A few other symptoms. I'm remembering my own um, thing as well is when you (laughs) get really swollen fingers and real limbs, you can't, you cannot put your shoes on. You can't take your rings off. That's like having a lot of water retention that can be Mm -hmm. due to estrogen and thyroid. A lot of women, younger women have already thyroid nodules, which can be scary. Yeah. So what can you do? Here's the good news is that regardless of your age, the symptoms might be slightly different. So for example, younger women might are more likely to have endometriosis Mm-hmm. versus women who are like say perimenopausal menopausal estrogen dominance will most likely manifest in the form of breast uh, lumps uh, breast cancers and a lot of more the cancer side of things maybe fibroids so the symptoms vary slightly from the age groups the good news is that regardless of which group you're in the solutions for estrogen dominance are actually the same but maybe with the only exception is birth control pills like if a young woman is on birth control pills it is highly recommended to get off because but get off birth control because that huge in a huge way contributes towards estrogen dominance right even if it's just synthetic progesterone but the so really the solution is one of the big things you want to do is to support your liver one of the fundamental things is to get on an anti-inflammatory diet and it's really quite amazing how just the, reducing the overall inflammation in your body by reducing foods that are known to be highly inflammatory can just improve your gut function, improve your liver function immediately. And your whole endocrine system gets a lot of a break and can function much better, including how it breaks out those estrogens. So by the anti-inflammatory diet, I just mean getting on the full elimination diet. And that's what you know my whole new book is based on. It's, it's free of gluten, dairy, soy, eggs, corn, and peanuts. And so those are like the big food offenders, if you will, that these days is so easy to get on. I remember back 20 years, 20 years ago when I was trying to get off gluten, like how difficult it was to navigate the waters without gluten, even mm-hmm. in living in Asia. 
But now it's just this places like in Portland when you go there and you go, I cannot find gluten here. There's <laughs> so many restaurants. Like, There's so many restaurants. options. Yeah. Yeah. So getting on anti-inflammatory diet really super helpful. But there's a couple of other things you can really do to improve your liver function. One of my favorite things to do is to add things that are that have a lot of better qualities to it. Anything better is going to support the liver in a huge way. So a few vegetables that have very bitter qualities, you don't have to eat them on their own. You can add them to your salads or just general foods. And some of them, the big ones would be things like collard greens and all the different turnips and also kale, uh, parsley. They all have better qualities to them. Uh, dandelion leaves, if you can add that to your salads as well, just the leaf, uh, whether you pick it up from the garden that's free of pesticides and no dog is pooping and peeing on your dandelion leaves. So that's just a wonderful thing to add. And the bitter quality immediately engages the liver, produces a lot more bile, and bile also binds up a lot of the estrogens. That's a really easy thing to, to incorporate. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I really love for, uh, for liver support is to, if you can, just a lot of different teas that are now available and you, you can make it yourself or you can just get it in a tea bag. But like, for example, dandelion roots or burdock, they are, they tend to be bitter, bitter herbs. And if you think about it, a lot of us drink coffee and coffee is, has bitter qualities. So most of us are actually probably better with tolerating bitter than we think. And just making that into a beverage and having a burdock tea and a dandelion root tea can really be an incredible support for your liver right away. And having that either instead of coffee or having that midday or before going to bed can be really superb. And the just last thing I mentioned about supporting the liver, I love doing castor oil packs mm. on the liver and the way they just move things. Like castor oil is a great mover. I like to think of it as like a great mover. A pregnant woman will have a tablespoon of castor oil. You can induce contractions in pregnant women. So it's a really powerful mover. And so it can do the same thing for your liver in a more gentle way, of course, when you apply it externally. So don't mm -hmm. do it internally. So yeah, so this is just some really simple tips and how to support your liver and women just feel incredibly good with symptoms reducing right away. I just got flashbacks of doing castor oil, trying to have my son <laughs> doing oh, spoonfuls wow. of it. It didn't work for me, but it can work for a lot of ladies. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. But yeah, I'm thinking to patients of mine who are, you know, teenagers and their doctors put them on birth control pills because they needed to regulate their cycles or yep. deal with just really difficult periods because they couldn't go to school. But it's also around the time of life where they're now eating more food at school. So yeah. it's not real food. It's a lot of the processed crap. So cleaning up the diet, implementing some of these changes, it probably wouldn't be necessary to have to go on the birth control. And I would say most likely it wouldn't be. So that's, that's really helpful having those different natural kinds of approaches to try. Yeah. And there's, there's also a few supplements. I don't know if you want me to talk about that. Um, sure. There's a couple of supplements that, that are, so like the first one that a lot of people are you know familiar with is DIM. So the methane, and I think it's been marketed very much as a sort of estrogen buster and that can be helpful. But the interesting things I have found in our community that women either take it for a while and then it stops working for them, all the symptoms return or we're still, they, they start feeling worse. And so it's really interesting because DIM works on the phase one liver detoxification for those listeners who are not maybe super familiar with liver detoxification. It's a really simple process of phase one or phase two. And in the phase one, you basically uncoupling all these toxins that are like free floating. And you, in phase two, you need to couple them up with a binder. So bind them up with some kind of a substance 
whether it's sulfur or methyl or whatever, and then they're going to get evacuated with poop, urine, and sweat. And so the interesting thing is that DIM upregulates your phase one liver detoxification, but if you don't have enough binders in phase two, that this is where a lot of women don't feel great. So to balance this out, you can support your liver phase two detoxification with two simple compounds. One is called sulforaphane, and that's something that's hugely present in broccoli sprouts. So in my new cookbook, the over, that's, it's not just a cookbook, it's a book, the new book that's coming out that you mentioned, we have broccoli sprouts in a lot of our recipes for that reason. One of the sad things that I have found out is that sulforaphane, unfortunately, is not present in very stable and high amounts in all broccoli sprouts. And so when I was working with a formulator and with a raw material supplier for our supplement, uh, they showed me a study that showed like well, they picked up broccoli sprouts from sprouts or from Whole Foods and far farmer's market. And the content of sulforaphane was all over the place. Some of them mm. were super high. Some of them was very low, almost non-existent. So I'm still a big fan of using broccoli sprouts because they have a lot of other properties too, besides sulforaphane. But if you're specifically looking for sulforaphane as a way of regulating your estrogen dominance, it's really worth focusing on a really high quality supplement that has some guaranteed concentration of sulforaphane and that has been tested. The second supplement really is going to help a lot with phase two liver detoxification to kind of balance out that DIM uh, is called calcium deglucurate. And that works specifically on the glucuronation pathway in the liver. So it's going to be the other pathways taken care of. And so with these three supplements, DIM, sulforaphane, and calcium deglucurate, you're getting like a complete estrogen detoxification. You explained that so well. I've had guests on the show explain that, but that was really explained very well. That's awesome. High five, virtual oh. high five. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm thinking of a patient even just today before we hopped on the call, because I'm at work doing appointments today. And, and we did the Dutch test, which mm -hmm. is, I know we're both familiar. It's a, a urine hormone panel that checks these different pathways, right? The phase one, phase two. And for this patient, she had asked me, she said, so should I do DIM? And when we looked closer, I said, no, DIM actually wouldn't be a good fit for you based on your labs. You actually need support for the 4-hydroxy pathway. That was too... Mm -hmm. It was happening too much. So that's a, another you know, type of bad estrogen that she was having too much of. And it turned out ris resveratrol was what she should be doing and flavonoids. Right. So I think that for anyone listening who's dealing with confusing symptoms that seem like they're estrogen dominant, you should get some testing done because you might not have the same type of estrogen dominance that maybe a friend has or everybody is just so different of how this can look. Yeah, obviously the, the other things like the uh, anti-inflammatory diet and the bitter foods and the liver support, those things are great, but getting into the specific supplementation might be worth doing some testing. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing that's really great about Dutch, since you mentioned that, is they also show you the efficiency of your comp gene. And mm -hmm. that's the gene that can really make a big difference in how estrogenic you tend to get. So I, I don't want to talk so much about that because I, I know we don't have a lot of time for, for this today, but I'll just mention that for years, I used to be so angry and disappointed with myself and my, just with my body, I think. I was just like, why am I so sensitive to all these, to, to my little silliness? Like, for example, I would go to Italy or Portugal and I have a month of just a bit of craziness of having espresso and, and having gluten sometimes and having some cheese. And when I come back and it's, I've got a period from hell mm. and my boobs are so tender, I can't put a bra on it. It hurts. And my moods, I'm just like this bitch and, mm -hmm. and I don't like myself. And I'm like thinking, all these Italians live like this. All these Portuguese women would like, like, what's going on here with me? And ever since I had my genetic testing done, and that shows that COMT ability, COMT is C-O-M-T. 
is that is that's the part of your DNA that helps you to metabolize estrogens. And out of five, I have double mutation on three of them, which basically mm-hmm. means that like 75% of mine isn't really working properly. And so that explains one, why is it I have deaths on both sides of my family from estrogenic cancer women, uterine, ovarian, and breast cancers, both sides of my mom and my dad. And why am I so sensitive? And so Tesla can really show you I think it just can create a lot more forgiveness and understanding your own body and saying, look, I'm just built to be much more sensitive to estrogen. I just need to work a little bit harder on it. I would rather do it now than be found with breast cancer in a few years time and be like, oh shit, I should have done this earlier. Based on that information, are there things that you've found that you're able to implement to where you can still be a little bit more loose when you go on vacations and then not pay for it later? Or have you just learned, okay, this, I just need to be careful even on vacation. That's how I want to play the game. And so (laughs) (laughs) I I choose the second most of the time, meaning that I just don't care for that month. But I just do my supplements and that uh, mitigates it a mitigates lot of it symptoms. a little bit. But I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I just want to have that pasta because that, that grandma in Sicily, like she's making it hanging on a chair. Like how can I not have that pasta? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like you kind of meet in the middle. You know what may come after that, but you also know ways to help minimize having to pay for it. So exactly. Good. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a mystery. That's like the worst part sometimes. Like, why do I feel like this? Now you're like, now I know why I do. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. You mentioned also where you can get estrogen dominance, but because there's a low progesterone, can you touch on that real quick? Sure. So we have three different types of estrogen and the one that is uh, very prolific and can be aggressive and detrimental when it's too high. It's called estradiol. And we get estradiol from cleaning products that we're using that are like the commercial ones with a lot of synthetic estrogens in it. We get it from birth control pills. We get it from if you're eating meat that's just been spiked with growth hormone and antibiotics. So we're surrounded by it. So estradiol tends to be too high in a lot of women. And then you have progesterone. So if progesterone is too low in order to oppose that aggressive estrogen, and then what happens is you get a lot of the symptoms that I talked about. The symptoms are slightly different. So low progesterone, you will know when you suddenly develop a lot of anxiety, feel very unsettled a lot of the time. You start worrying about a lot of other things. A lot of things that never bothered you before. Suddenly, women just find themselves being like the warriors and not being very calm. Also, midnight waking, not being able to fall asleep anymore mid-cycle spotting. So if you start seeing brown spotting in the middle of your cycle, that could be due to low progesterone. So those are some of the things. The way to mitigate this form of estrogen dominance is to do a couple of things. One is you can focus on supplements such as vitamin E, vitamin C, zinc, to naturally boost your progesterone levels. Um, That can be super helpful. Just a quick note on this here. During COVID, up to my vitamin C levels, and you know how I mentioned I'm, I'm headed for perimenopause. And so my luteal phase, so from time of ovulation to my period, instead of being full two weeks, it's like I'm down to a week now. Ever since I upped my vitamin C levels for the purpose of COVID, not for the purpose of my regulating my cycle in any way, suddenly my cycle went back to <laughs> full two weeks. So I was a bit like, ah, I don't want this. <laughs> I actually wanted to dry out and go away. Uh, but, uh, but it just happened. So it was like a great reminder. You can actually boost your progesterone levels. And the other way, if that doesn't work for some women, then just trying and working with a practitioner uh, who's really skilled with hormones and, and doing bioidentical progesterone, it might be a really great idea to balance out your hormones 
Mm-hmm. Let's touch on hot flashes. That's confusing mm. for a lot of women because typically you think of hot flashes being too low of estrogen, yes. right? So can you get hot flashes with estrogen dominance and what's going on there? Yeah. So hot flashes is also one of the symptoms of low progesterone, but you're right. It typically happens with women who um, have both estrogen and progesterone coming down. The hot flashes start manifesting. Here's a really interesting thing. I always get very amused, but when I read a lot of literature that the causes of hot flashes are unknown, here's a little thing. I did a survey uh, with our community and we had over 700 responses. And I asked a question, what did you do uh, that you have learned here from us that you implemented that helped your hot flashes? Do you want to guess what was the number one? Cutting out coffee. Very close. That was like a close, like a second or third. Cutting out gluten. That was one of the top ones too. So the first one was actually sugar balance, blood Mm. sugar balance. And the whole thing started, my attention was put into this when I I worked with a doctor, her name was, that's not her real name, but let's just call her Frances. And Frances was an emergency doctor, uh, ER doc in New York City. And so you can just imagine how crazy that is, a New York City and an ER doc. And she came to me and she's like, hey, I really need to get rid of these hot flashes because I'm having these hot flash at 11 o'clock every morning when like I've got a guy who just you know came from this horrific accident and here I am just flushing and people are asking me well, like what's wrong with me and so we sat down and she did like one of the ways of working with me back then when I was in private practice was to do a food journal and so it was very clear in a food journal she would have this like typical American breakfast at 7 a.m. like something like cereals with a banana and a yogurt with more fruit and sugar in it. And then her hot flush would happen at 11. And she said, well, I actually noticed also that if I have a handful of nuts, like 15 minutes before 11, I wouldn't have a hot flush. Mm. So I was like, huh, how about these, these almonds are obviously lots of fat, some good protein in it. So obviously that's, that changes something. And this is where I started digging more. And one of the big part of my protocols is blood sugar balance. And so to your point about coffee or changing breakfast from a traditional American breakfast, you know, I'm a big fan and my whole cookbook is based on what we call a PFF kind of breakfast, protein, fat, and fiber rich Mm -hmm. breakfast and no carbohydrates in excessive amounts and definitely not added sugar. It made a humongous difference in women's hot flashes. So changing a breakfast could make a big difference. Not having your coffee before breakfast, but after or giving up caffeine altogether, especially coffee more so than any other. A lot of women reported that changing over to green tea would help them get rid of hot flashes, but they had to give up coffee per se. Mm-hmm. Gluten and just generally going on an anti-inflammatory diet. So the gl- gluten and dairy were the two biggest food offenders that women cited that really helped them with hot flashes. So really it's these few, blood sugar balance, reducing coffee or eliminating coffee, going anti-inflammatory were the really big ones. A few women said that, for example, like as an herbalist, I'll tell you an herbal school, we go, oh yeah, you can do black cohosh and angelica. So don't quiet can really be helpful. The thing is that what I found with herbs is that they can, when you don't, let's say if you're a sugar addict and you eat those, you have this really, you think it's a very healthy smoothie first thing in the morning with a banana and a pineapple in it. And and it's got shitloads of sugar. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. that thing can have 12, 13 teaspoons of sugar by just doing herbs that that's that not going to help you. It might help initially, but then hot flashes are going to come back. So really setting up the foundation with the things that I mentioned is going to produce way better results than doing herbs alone. 
I was telling you before we started recording that I just moved out of a really moldy house. And it's interesting because when I was in that house, I was getting hot flashes all the time. I would have to put my whole body in the fridge. I was just like soaking. I, I would have hot flashes. I'd get sweaty at night. And then when I moved, they went away. And I think it's because now that I'm thinking back, I don't think it's about the mold specifically, although maybe it could have been that, but I think it was my blood sugar couldn't handle the stress of the mold because I felt blood sugar crashes. I was really sensitive to light, just sounds like overstimulation. And now that it's been three months, I don't get any hot flashes. I can, in the evening, a light can be on. It doesn't bother me. It's, I'm not as, I don't have such a short fuse. It's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. 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 Pretty wild. Yeah. And I think if you think about it, the liver is involved with all of this, with not only blood sugar balance, but also detoxing mold and also detoxing hormones. So Mm -hmm. my liver was just overburdened. Totally. Totally. I love this stuff. This is so good. Okay. Anything else we didn't touch on? And then if not, then we can do our little fun little pop quiz. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think uh, within the time frame that we have, like, how much can we talk about within half an hour to forty-five minutes about a, a pretty vast topic? But they, I, I think, I just as a closing thing, I would just say that two things. One is, if you're showing any of the signs and symptoms that we talked about earlier, do something about it now. Yeah, um, because I have maybe one other thing, Lauren. Just as the last one, I'm just going to mention is gallbladder. Mm-hmm. A lot of women have their gallbladders removed, and then six months, eight months, one year later, they start having severe estrogen dominant symptoms. And so they don't tell you this, that a gallbladder, removal of gallbladder is going to cause your bile, overall bile availability to drop. And the bile is really fascinating because not only does it help you metabolize fats, but it also binds up those dirty estrogens I talked about. And so I, I posted once about that before asking women, how many of you here have lost a gallbladder? And have you had a stronger onset of estrogen dominance? And I can't tell you how many women concurred with that. Yeah. So my strong encouragement is do something about it now. Um, don't wait till, till, till it you know, manifests in some ways that really is going to worry you or break your bank. And the second thing is that I really think amongst all the different hormonal imbalances like PCOS and Hashimoto's and Graves' disease and all these thyroid conditions, and I feel like estrogen dominance is one of the easiest ones to fix. And yeah, so I think that could be a great encouragement for women to do something about it right away. Absolutely. Amen to that. All right, let's do a fun little pop quiz. So before we hopped on, uh, we were talking about how we wanted to do something where one of you lucky listeners can get a free book. So Mm -hmm. we thought we would do, we'll say three questions from maybe from the content of the show. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening well, then you can hop on over to Instagram and send me the answers to these three questions. And the first one to do it, you'll get a free book. Okay. So you want me to start? Yeah. And I'll pick one too. Yeah. Okay. You pick one too. Sounds good. Okay. So my first question would be, what are, mention three foods that we talked about that we advise to remove from your diet because they are highly inflammatory. Okay. I'm writing these down so I don't forget what they were. (laughs) (laughs) So name at least three foods that we mentioned in the show that are highly inflammatory. Okay, cool. And then mine would be, what are the three strategies that you mentioned to treat hot flashes? Mm-hmm. And the last one, let's make it easy. Is it correct that one of, one of the estrogen dominance is when you have high estrogen and low progesterone? That one of them you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
Sounds good. All right. Awesome. Hey, for those of you who are chomping at the bit for the new episode and you're the first one to listen to it and you get that right, then you've got a good chance of getting a free book. So you can go over to Instagram at Dr. Lowe, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore L-O, and then send those answers. And we'll have Magdalena send you a free book and definitely keep a lookout. Her book comes out on March. What is it? 10th. March 10th, mm-hmm. 2021 coming up. And then how can people follow you and keep in touch with you? Just hormonesbalance.hormones with an S, hormonesbalance.com is the website. And if you follow us on social media, you'll find us either on Instagram or Facebook. And the book is going to be available and is, is available on Amazon. Just look for overcoming estrogen dominance. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and spreading the knowledge. And I know many women listening will have happier periods in the future and a lot (laughs) happier. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me and spreading the word. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.